One constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning and welcome in. We're glad you're here. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. The website is btgprogram.com and on social media it's at btgprogram. The studio line 585-431-1202. Give us a call anytime. We'd be glad to hear your perspective. Once again, it's 585-431-1202. Zach, at last count and who... It could be more, could be less. Well, it's definitely not less. It's up to six, last I counted. The number of New England Patriots players who have declared their intention to not visit the White House with their teammates when the time comes. I'd read you the list of names, but I don't think anybody cares. Do these guys <laughs> really think that the President of the United States of America, or more than a few people here or there outside the media, of course, are laying around in bed at night because they can't sleep knowing they aren't going to go to the White House? You play football, and I don't mean to belittle what they do, but them not going to the White House has no effect on anything. Nobody cares. In fact, for most of them, most people don't even know who they are. Mm -hmm. Now, I can respect their decision not to go. That's up to them. Most of the players who've said that they're not going have stated their decision was based on their disagreement with the policies of President Donald Trump. Okay, good for you. Do you think he's going to change his policy because they're not going to go to visit the White House? Gonads are useful for their purpose, but they are no substitute for brains. <laughs> this is not a big deal, and yet I saw a, a story in sports almost every day this week. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there nothing else going on? Really, who cares? Look, they have the right to, to not go. They have a right to make the decision for themselves. It's fine, but it's not worthy of some kind of press conference or official statement, just don't go. Don't go. Who cares? But just a thought, why not go? Why not participate with your teammates in an honor being granted to you? Mm -hmm. Regardless of who is president, nobody's asking these pro athletes to support their policies of the president in exchange for being honored. In fact, I, I can disagree with someone and still acknowledge they're deserving of an honor. Mm -hmm. So why not go? Who cares? And here's a newsflash. This group from the Patriots, obviously they're not the first athletes to skip the traditional White House visit. But I agree with Tom Brady, who, by the way, he didn't go two years ago. He had some sort of family obligation. He appeared recently a week or so ago on Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports saying, it really is a great experience. Putting politics aside, it never was a political thing. At least it never was to me. It meant you won a championship and you got to experience something cool with your team, with your teammates. Everyone has their own choice. It's an off season. These days are valuable for everybody. You only get so much time with your family and friends that if people don't want to go, then they don't go. And that's their choice. Exactly right. Go, don't go. But either way, 
Get over yourself. Nobody cares. Stop making it. Why is this a story? But here we are. I just wasted three minutes talking about it. <laughs> Coming up today on the program, we'll talk with Jason Romano. He is uh, formerly of ESPN. Jason has left to pursue his, he's left his dream job to pursue God's calling. We'll talk to him about that. Zach has a new list of shenanigan statements, and we'll tell you what it is that we like this week. That's all coming up today on Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game is a faith-based radio ministry, and like many radio ministries, our operating budget is mainly sustained by the support of our listeners. The program, of course, it's not exclusively for people of faith, but it is our goal. We want to use sports to introduce the message of Jesus Christ and give our listeners you know, at least just a little something to consider for themselves. Your financial gifts support the program's efforts to reach new markets, bringing the message of the gospel to thousands of listeners each week. If you feel so led, visit our website, btgprogram.com. You can make a secure donation right there. That said, that out of the way, we're going to come take a break. When we get back, we'll talk with Jason Romano. I'm Rick Benson, alongside Zach Barletta. This is Beyond the Game. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Jason Romano was a longtime employee of ESPN. He's worked as a producer, social media manager. He's also a believer in Christ who speaks at a number of churches and schools and conferences every year. Jason's decided to leave the network in order to step out on faith and follow God's calling on his life. He joins us once again on the BTG phone line. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Thanks for coming on. Rick, I appreciate you inviting me back. Always good to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Thanks for asking. Take us behind the right. scenes a little bit, if you would. What led you to step down at ESPN, and, and where is it that God's leading you? Yeah, well... I can't give you the full answer on what God's leading me, but I know he's leading me. And I'm just trying to be called and obedient to to that. Um, but it was probably a couple of years ago, Rick, when I was at a conference in Nashville speaking. Uh, and I was sharing about social media to a group of churches, uh, church leaders, social media strategists in the Christian world. And when I went down there to speak, you know, kind of opened my eyes a little bit to the idea that there were people doing basically the same job I was doing at ESPN, but for a greater good, for a greater cause, for a greater purpose. And when I saw that, it really just opened up 
my heart a little bit, kind of planted a seed, if you will, on where God might want to go next. I've always felt like a calling to do more for God. And that's very vague, I think, when I say it like that. But I've just felt that call. And that moment at that conference really opened my eyes to think, well, maybe I should take the experiences, the tools, the the uh, knowledge, the skills that I acquired at ESPN and try to take those into a place where I can actually proclaim the gospel of Jesus and, you know, bring those talents into the into that world. So the idea of doing it, the, uh, the thought about doing it was, has been a couple years in the making. I didn't know where that was exactly going to lead me to. I didn't know how that was going to turn out. Um, but that's kind of the great plan of God, right? We're not supposed to really know. We're just supposed to be obedient. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's got the plan in place and, and sort of everything aligned perfectly for his will. So that's what I tried to do. I just tried to be patient and at the same time pursue him. Uh, and try to just figure out what the next steps were. And in that, uh, he opened up a lot of doors, a lot of opportunities to speak, a lot of opportunities to share at different churches and different conferences and even at some schools. And, and, uh, so I've had that opportunity, but he's also opened up a door to just networking with people in the Christian influence space, for lack of a better word. And that's been probably the biggest thing for me in talking to people, networking, and just connecting with people over the last couple of years and a door opened up about a year ago and then really came to fruition about three or four months ago, actually about three months ago in December with an opportunity to work for a sports and faith ministry and do work for them and serve with them. And we talked and we talked and an opportunity and an offer came and, uh, and my wife and I prayed about it. We talked it over. We, you know, looked at the opportunity, you know, we had to weigh all of our options, if you will, of whether or not we were going to move or stay in place. And you know, I feel planted in Connecticut and staying here, I think, is the, the short term answer right now. But we accepted and kind of stepped out in some faith. And, you know, I took a pay cut to, to leave ESPN for ministry. But, you know, it's not about the money here. It's about the the cause and the, and the opportunity to do good work and at the same time proclaim Jesus's name. And it was just a time, Rick. I mean, I'm 43 and it was one of those moments where if I'd waited till I was 50, I don't know if I could have made this decision. So I needed to do this now while I can. And while I'm sort of positioned, I believe by God strategically to make this move. And so we made it. Now, obviously you're following Jason, what you believe to be God's direction, God's calling on your life. And some may be wondering, how do they know that it's God that they're hearing when, when they feel pulled in a particular direction? Can you talk about that a little and maybe what confirmed the call in your heart and mind? Yeah, uh, it's funny you ask that because I've been fortunate to preach uh, probably about four or five times in the last year at my church, the church I belong to, my home church in Bristol. And last year, last summer, as I was walking through this time of uncertainty and knowing God was calling me. I just knew it. Like I had this heart, this passion to do more for him. And I just knew he was calling away, calling me away from ESPN to um, sort of, you know, take that next step, that next chapter. I just didn't know where or what it was. Uh, but in that moment, I preached on patience at my church in August. And the idea of being patient, waiting for God's will in your life. 
And I remember, you know, digging into the scriptures and looking into the, to the word for something. And I kept seeing so many people, if you will, or disciples of Christ, just looking in, in terms of what is going to happen in their life. And while they were waiting, they just patiently pursued God. That's what they did. And there was a waiting period, you know, there's a lot of people that wait uh, in the Bible and they're kind of wondering they're in the wilderness or they're in a waiting period of when are you going to give this to me, God? When is this going to happen? When are you going to do it? And God just says, trust me and be patient. And yet at the same time, especially in the book of Job, when he was going through what he went through uh, and losing basically everything he had, he still was patient knowing God had a plan and he didn't just sit around being patient and waiting. He was active in his patience. He was active in pursuing God. And that's what I just tried to do is, is be patient and actively pursuing him at the same time. And I knew if I did that, that I was in his will, his perfect will, and that the doors would open when they were meant to open. And they opened. That, and that's how I knew it was the Lord. I, I mean, there hasn't been like a thousand doors that have opened up saying, okay, Jay, you have a thousand opportunities here to walk through all these different doors for the Lord. You choose. No, it's not like that. Like, there just was really one door that opened up. There's a couple avenues of opportunities and different platforms that have opened up, you know, including writing a book and some other things. But, like, it was clear that taking the step away from ESPN required an opportunity that had to be made clear from the Lord. And this was, this clearly was that opportunity for me. It's interesting you mentioned how you were preaching on patience it i can't remember the preacher i was listening to on the radio recently and he talked about that every time there's a calling there's a a time of sanctification right before that where god is really calling somebody to him more than to an opportunity and it sounds like that was the case with you as you just spent that time growing closer to him yeah it's funny when you say it like that because that's exactly what it was it was a time of of really just seeking the scriptures, getting in prayer, and being around like-minded people who can encourage me, who I can learn from, and who I can confide in with some of the things that I was thinking and feeling and wondering. And that's immensely important in your walk, especially when you're in a waiting period of wondering what's next. There's so many people that I've talked to who have asked me, how do you know God's plan for your life? Which is part of the reason why I preached that sermon. and in all the digging and all the reading and all the talking to different people, the clear answer to how do you know what God's plan for your life is, is when you're in his will, is when you're serving him and when you're pursuing him and when you're in the word and when you're praying to him every day. Like that's when you're in his perfect will. It's that simple. And it's hard to because the plan always seems to come with results, right? And we all want the product, the end product, but we don't always want the process of getting to the end product. And it's that in that pro, in that time of waiting and in that time of uh, being patient, where we can really truly grow in our faith with the Lord. And when we're when we're doing that, that's His will. Like that's His plan. And the other stuff will come together. It will, but that's His plan. Was there maybe a particular Bible verse? So many people talk about, you know, they had a, a verse that they just couldn't get off their mind that really God pressed on their heart. Did did you have a verse that God pressed on your heart in confirming the call? Well, I think one of the things is my life verse has constantly been Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and that verse 
came back a lot last year for me in my mind and my in my spirit. You know, it's, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And as I was trying to figure out what that path was, as I was trying to understand what was happening or when it was going to happen, that verse just kept saying, wait a minute, God's talking to me here and saying, trust in me and don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on me and in everything you do, acknowledge me, pursue me, uh, trust in me, and I'll take care of it. I'll direct your path. And that verse, and again, that's become one of my life verses, but that verse has meant has had a deeper meaning for me over the past two years. And man, that verse, when I think about it now, I kind of get chills because of some of the things that have happened and some of the outcomes that have happened from leaving ESPN. It's truly his, his path that I'm just trying to follow. And, you know, I have a whiteboard in my, in my little uh, home office now that I've built the last couple of weeks. And I just simply wrote, thy will be done. And that's what it is. Uh, I can get in the way and try to do things on my own. And, and I'm sure cause I'm, a sinner and I'm a messed up person just like we all are a broken person that I'm going to try and do that at times but when it really comes down to simply that I will be done as earth on earth as it is in heaven like that's a powerful simple prayer to pray every day God your will not mine mm. we're talking with Jason Romano you can follow him on Twitter at Jason Romano now of course you're a sports fan Jason and working at ESPN sure. it must have meant a lot to you What's the hardest part of leaving the network? Well, yeah, you're right, Rick. I, I'm a huge sports fan, and uh, it's what I always wanted to do since I was a little boy was kind of engulf myself into the sports world and to you know make a career out of it. Over the last 17 years at ESPN has been you know beyond my dreams because I didn't even dream about ever ending up at ESPN. I just thought that was so far outside of the realm of my possibilities in my life. But I'm going to miss the people. Uh, and that's sort of a vague answer. But when you work at a place for 17 years, and I don't care what your job is, you're going to develop a large amount of relationships with people who you see and spend 8 to 10 to 12, in some cases 16 to 18 hours in one day with. Yeah, well, you and, know, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but when you made that announcement well, via Facebook and the, the names, yeah. some of them very familiar, very recognizable names that you acknowledge going through that list, you could get a sense of how much and how many of these people meant a lot to you. They did. And when I put that Facebook post out, you know, that's something that I actually worked on since like late December when I was <laughs> no kind kidding. of knew that I was going to be leaving ESPN. And it, part of it, I say that only because I really wanted to make sure I didn't forget the, the, the true people that impacted my life, if that makes sense. There was tons of people that I've, I didn't mention that have had an impact on my career at ESPN. Tons of people. But there was a good core amount of 10 to 12 people that really in my different stages of my career at ESPN, took the time to teach, took the time to befriend me, took the time to just pour into me and allow me to shine. And so I really needed to recognize those people and thank them publicly. Uh, and some of them I didn't even get a chance to say in person, thank you to. So I had to write this out because I really want them to understand the impact that they had on my life. And, you know, some of those people that I, I mentioned in the Facebook post, I haven't talked to in a few years. And, um, 
you know, but that's how profound that was. And when you're going back over 17 years of memories, there's a lot of names that come up. So I really wanted to just honor them. And, and like I said, the people, the culture, you know, of just the highest performing um, producers, the highest performing talent on TV, the highest performing everything there. Like you have the best of the best when you're working with them at ESPN. And to say bye to that, goodbye to that, it was not easy. Um, I never, I don't regret my decision one single bit at all, but I do miss being around all the people that were there. That's, that's really the biggest thing. Jason, uh, I've enjoyed talking with you. I want to talk with you some more, but we need to take a break. Are you able to stick around? Can you hang out with us a little longer? Of course. No problem. All right. Then uh, we'll be back with Jason Romano after the break. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Let's take a look at the week that was for Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. Here is the Red Hawks report for this week, February 25th. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. The men's lacrosse team got off to a fast start last weekend, going 2-0. Senior Alex Bianchi's three goals led the Red Hawks to a 20-8 win over Hampton University last Friday, followed by a 21-9 win over Lees McRae College on Sunday behind five more goals by Bianchi, as well as getting five goals from Cody Menzies. Senior Keith Keen made nine saves on Friday and ten more on Sunday. On Tuesday, the men lost to Lincoln Memorial University 15-7 before getting back in the win column with a win over Davis and Elkins on Thursday, 13-5. Combined a 3-1 road trip before next Wednesday's home opener, with Alex Bianchi being named the ECC's Offensive Athlete of the Week, and it's been a pretty good start for the Red Hawks men lacrosse team. The women's lacrosse team fell in their regular season opener on Thursday to Catawba College, 11-9. That despite the fact they got five goals from senior attacker Castley Jakowski. The women's basketball team got an important road win last Saturday over New York Institute of Technology, 88-85, behind 27 points and 10 rebounds from freshman Taya Andrews, who has been named the ECC Rookie of the Week. Juniors Lucy Covley added 19 and Brookfield's 15 for the Red Hawks. On Monday, though, the ladies fell to University of Bridgeport 79-73. Freshman Emily Miller and junior Brookfields each had 17 points in the loss, while Andrews added 16. On the men's side, it was a 102-88 loss last Saturday to NYIT, despite 22 points from junior Manny Joseph. The Red Hawks followed that up with a loss against the University of Bridgeport 105-81. At the NCCAA Championships last Saturday, the women finished third and the men sixth with numerous Roberts student-athletes taking home honors in track and field. Junior sprinter Chelsea Hayward picked up wins in both the 60-meter and 200-meters and was named All-American. Hayward broke her own meet record from last year in the 200-meter with a time of 24.32, good enough to put her second in all of NCAA D2 for the event. Hayward also tied an NCCAA record in the 60-meter dash. Two freshmen turned in first-place finishes for the men. Josiah Adelini took first place in the 800-meter, and Ashton Collaire finished first in the 60-meter hurdles. Hayward and Adelini have each been named ECC's Athletes of the Week. Five Red Hawks men and ten women received Scholar-Athlete awards, while five men and eight women were named All-American. For a full list, visit athletics.roberts.edu. The track and field teams are in Staten Island this weekend for the ECC Championships. 
Your opportunities to catch the Red Hawks at home this week are as follows. It'll be the home opener for next Wednesday, March 1st, for the men's lacrosse team as they host Lemoyne College. Start time is 3 p.m. And it's senior night later today, February 25th, for the, both the men's and women's basketball teams. The Red Hawks will take on Damon College to close out the season. The women tip off at 2 p.m. and the men at 4. Head on out to the Voller Athletic Center on the campus of Roberts Wesleyan College and support the Red Hawks. That'll do it for the Red Hawks Report for this week, February 25th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can catch all the latest from Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Benson and Barletta here with you on the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. We've been talking before the break with Jason Romano, a longtime employee of ESPN, stepping out on faith. He's left the network to to follow God's direction in his life. Now, Jason, now you're certainly a busy guy starting a media consulting business. You're, as you mentioned, working on a book and, and planning a podcast. Can you share a little bit about how you would like to see God revealed in these various passions of yours? Yeah, it's it's funny because a few of these passions really haven't been there my entire life, especially my entire Christian walk. Uh, but they've kind of come to fruition over the last couple of years. And I, I believe God, you know, opens up doors for a reason and he gives us talents to use for his glory. I believe that. Yeah. And sometimes I don't think we realize we even have the talents that we do. And I still believe that I am not a very good public speaker. That is just my personal opinion. Maybe that's my own little, you know, self-confidence that I have to still work on or whatever. But a couple of years, I never spoke publicly, you know, in front of an audience about my faith or anything like that until three years ago. And suddenly uh, I got an opportunity to speak at a men's breakfast and share a little bit about my faith and the workplace and things like that. And you know, they, I thought I did a terrible job, and they all came up and were like, you're amazing. Thank you so much. We appreciate what you said. You know, and I had to give the glory to God, of course. But all of a sudden, over the last three years, this sort of speaking world has opened up. And I've probably done about 20 different speaking engagements, nothing too crazy. but And I don't know if I want to take on and become like a full-time traveling 200 times a year type speaker. I don't think that will be conducive to the lifestyle that we're living right now as a dad and as a husband. But I do realize that God has opened doors and allowed opportunities for his name to be proclaimed when I speak. And so I take that responsibility very seriously, and I would like to do more of that if he wants me to, if God wants me to. And so I've seen some some opportunities already just in the last couple of weeks after leaving ESPN come from just doors opening and God's will being done. So speaking is definitely a place I want to go. The podcast is something I've thought about for a long time, probably for about five, six years. I've always thought about maybe someday being a part of a sports and faith type of interview 
program, much like the one that we're on right now together. And so the podcast world has been something I've been a part of for the last six or seven years as a consumer. I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to sort of on-demand audio content. And I truly love listening to interview-based podcasts where the person who's doing the interviewing asks great questions, but the person who's being interviewed tells great stories. And when you put those two together, you got something special when you're listening to it. Yeah, I agree and with you. So I, yeah, and so I've thought about that for a while. And that was part of what I think was what revealed to me God's plan because when the the group that I've, I'm hired to do some work for, Pro Athletes Outreach, PAO, called me about the opportunity to host a faith and sports podcast, you know, my my eyes lit up. Like the, everything just kind of made me stand straight and say, yes, that's something I've wanted to do for a while. And so for, for, for have, to have that sort of come to fruition was something that's really exciting to me. Um, we're starting it. We're in the pre 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 production stages right now we're probably looking to release it at the end of march 2017 uh so we're excited about that i'm excited about that i'm going to be basically doing it all on my own too you don't have a whole lot of resources when you go into ministry i'm realizing so (laughs) you're gonna have to edit it you're gonna have to host it welcome to to ministry brother exactly and that's fine I, i mean i i come from a world where i've done a lot of this stuff on my own so this is going to be my baby in a lot of ways. Uh, it's going to come under the umbrella of Sports Spectrum, which is a longtime sports and faith magazine brand that now is owned by Pro Athletes Outreach. So it's going to be called the Sports Spectrum Podcast. And, you know, I have a lot of connections, obviously, in the sports world and in the faith world. And I'm just excited to see who might be willing to come on and tell their story. And that's really what I want to do is I just want God's name to be glorified through the stories uh, of intersection of sports and faith. And so... That's really uh, what I hope to get out of that platform. And then really just kind of the consulting world, that kind of is a very vague term for how can I work with you and help you? And I'm already doing that with Pro Athletes Outreach. I'm helping uh, manage their website, sportspectrum.com, obviously the podcast. But there's going to be other opportunities to take, like I said earlier, the skills and the tools and the knowledge that I've gained over 17 years, really over 20 years in broadcasting in 17 years at ESPN and just help others with it and uh, bottom line to give God the glory through it. So that's kind of where I am right now. And and I don't have a full complete answer for you exactly on where that's going to lead to, but you know, I believe God is going to take care of that and, and direct it the way he wants. Yeah. I think you alluded to that at the beginning of the interview, you know, not having that answer right now is some of the most fun and exciting part about it as you get to follow God and see what he will do. It really is. And that's part of, uh, you know, a lot of people have said, aren't you worried? Aren't you scared? Aren't you a little nervous? And that's the weird thing. You know, even in leaving ESPN, somebody said, you know, how emotional was it for you in leaving, you know, a place where you've been for 17 years? And it's weird to say this, but you know, I, I wasn't too emotional. Like I had, I have a piece about this that, as the word says, is past surpasses understanding. I, I just know it's the right time. Sure, it's difficult and uh, it's hard. And it's going to be different. You know, working for nonprofits and working for yourself and working in ministry than working for a giant corporation like Disney or ESPN. But I just know it's right, and that's why. I, and that's the confirming thing in my spirit. I think is to know that I don't have any regrets. I'm not worried or nervous or uh, overly anxious or scared at all. There's no fear in this. And that's from God because I'm a 
generally nervous kind of like person in the sense of being a dad and just kind of life happening. But there's none of that with this. There's none of that. Oh, that's exciting. I, and I'm familiar with uh, PAO and I'm familiar with Sports Spectrum. I love the magazine. I, I love the ministry there. Uh, I'm excited for yeah. your book. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of sports and faith podcasts, you know, obviously. Uh, I like to hear yeah. those stories. I think they're encouraging to, uh, I think to young people especially to know that uh, there are Christian athletes and, you know, they can be bold. They can play hard and they can still give the glory to God. So it's great to hear those stories. I agree. Now, you, you do speak at churches and schools and conferences. You mentioned you don't want to, and, and that was a great answer. You don't want to overload that schedule in respect to being a husband and being a dad. But is there something that you enjoy? Is there a topic that you enjoy more than, say, others? Do you have something that's special to your heart when you speak? There's two topics. The first is the first topic I ever spoke on in 2014. Like I said, it was only a few years ago, but it was on faith in the workplace. And it actually wasn't something that I really was planning on speaking about. The pastor from a local church about 30 minutes from where I live here in Connecticut reached out to me on a whim. I had no idea who he was, but he saw me on Twitter and he was looking for a speaker for his men's breakfast and invited me to come. And I said, sure. What do you want me to speak about? And he's like, well, you work at ESPN and you're a Christian. Why don't you speak about living out your faith in the workplace? And I said, sure, that sounds like a great topic. Uh, now I got to put this thing together and figure out how to share it. And so when I did that, it gave me the confidence to know that I had enough stories, which I think are important. You need stories when you are speaking uh, in a conference like that. It's not just about like practical, do this. Here's five ways to be a better Christian in the workplace. Like I, I think people are going to be more moved in and uh, encouraged and impacted when they hear the personal stories from different people. Absolutely. And so I tried to I tried to share those stories with different people, and that's what I found has been the best um, way to deliver that. So that topic, faith in the workplace, is definitely one that I'm going to continue to share if anybody wants to hear it. Um, and I'm trying to hone that sort of talk and make it better and make it more succinct and make it more impactful and certainly make it more, um, if I can, you know, let God do that, I guess, but make it more um, to bring glory to God. Obviously, I don't want to get all, any of this credit. But the other topic is one that's going to be the, the topic of my book that comes out at the end of this year, which is um, I don't have the book title, you know, clearly named yet. Uh, the topic is on unforgiveness. And, and or you could just take out the unpart and just say forgiveness, because the relationship I've had with my dad over the last 30 years has been one that's very broken, that's very uh, unhealthy, very unstable. And it's all, for the most part, due to his alcoholism and his depression. And in that, a lot of bad memories from my childhood, very sad memories. Uh, and it really kept festering throughout adulthood all the way up to the end of 2012, I believe it was, or 2013, somewhere in that range, uh, when he reached a breaking point and, um, you know, was unsuccessful, but did try to commit suicide. And in that, I don't want to give too much away, but in that brokenness and in that uh, sort of rock bottomness, if you will, of the way that he was in his life, you know, he got better and he got sober and we reconciled and the process of learning to forgive 
30 years of hurt from my end and then allowing reconciliation to happen in a, in a relationship is a powerful thing. And I, I've discovered in sharing this topic at least three times, three different times to different audiences that there is a lot of unforgiveness that's built up in people from different relationships, from being betrayed, from, you know, the, from not being able to forgive someone else or someone else not being able to forgive them. It's just really, it's, it's there. And I've, especially with teens, and I saw this with teenagers last summer and I realized, wow, this is powerful. And it was after that moment with those teens when I preached this to them at a, a summer camp, Christian camp, that the book kind of started to really take form and take shape. And out of that came me signing a, a contract, a book deal with a publisher in Charlotte. And my dad and I are basically going to tell our story. And it's going to be real and it's going to be raw and it's going to be in some ways very ugly. But and my dad is not a Christian, and I'll just put that right out there um, for everybody because it might think that there's sort of a ha- complete happy ending on the on the faith side. It's it's not fully there yet, but I pray for him every day, and he's healthy and sober and probably in the best position he's ever been in his entire life. And our relationship is as good or better than it's been in a very long time. So, you know, we're going to tell that story, and if we can help one person, uh, you know, work through their relationship with with a parent or with a family member or somebody even just a friend then it's worth writing and and that's the goal here and it'll definitely be written from a christian point of view it'll be mostly my voice and you know the gospel will be presented clearly in this book but the story of just being able to forgive someone um, after being hurt is really what the bottom line is and obviously the parallel there is who are we to hold on forgiveness on someone when the savior of the world has forgiven us and for, continues to forgive us every single day. So yeah, great point. It's exciting. A lot of stuff going on. I'm sorry for the long. Answer, no, that that's good. Yeah, I, I look exciting. forward to reading the book and I'm really excited to hear that you and your dad are working on it together. I think that that's going to be an interesting read. And you shared this yeah. last time you joined us, but you know, Jason, few things bring me as much joy as in hearing the moment in a person's life where they go from death into life. Would you share with us again your salvation story and and talk about how Christ has impacted your life? I would love to. Uh, So I am currently 43 years old as we speak, and I lived the first 27 and a half years of my life uh, without Christ. Uh, And it wasn't until Mother's Day of 2001, that my brother Chris, who is now a pastor at a church in Hudson, New York, Rock Solid Church, sat me down, brought me into his bedroom, and we just talked, and he shared the gospel clearly with me, and that's the moment where I said yes to Jesus. Now, there's a lot of layers to that, because for two and a half years, my brother had been a Christian prior to that moment, and I didn't say yes to those other times when he's tried to share the gospel with me. And I don't know why, but that Mother's Day when I went to church with him, finally, it was probably the third time that I had gone to church with him. But that day was a day where my heart sort of opened up a little bit. And, you know, I I just kind of sensed that something was going on. It wasn't, I didn't have any negative feelings or any animosity towards the service like I had previously. And so my brother recognized that right away. And he shared with me the gospel, and I and I said yes to him, and yes to Jesus. But I did not know 
exactly what that fully meant when I said yes. You know, it wasn't just this miraculous conversion of a person who goes from a life of drugs and, and alcohol abuse and turns it around and all of a sudden is, is just walking the right path. That wasn't what happened with me. When I got saved as a Christian, my life was fine. Like, I had a job at ESPN. I was married. Things were going okay. We had a nice house. and There really wasn't a lot of things in my life that weren't uh, going well for me from a worldly point of view. So I didn't have those that moment where I was just on my, you know, in this desperation mode and I needed something and, I, and Jesus was the way to turn to. Like, it wasn't like that at all. So for me, it was a process. When I said yes to my brother and yes to God, it took a probably a good year before I found a church, a Christian church to get planted into. It took a year before I truly started to understand what salvation meant from understanding what you know, the Word of God had to say from reading Bible stories, from talking to people who were other were, were also Christians. You know, it took a long time. And it, you know what? It's still a process because we'll never, ever have this thing completely figured out. That's the beautiful mystery of, of the gospel. But it was not an immediate conversion that a lot of people share when they have their faith story. It was a process, and it was a couple years process of walking and learning and I kind of just became a sponge after about a year or so and really just wanted to, to do more for God and learn more about him and understand what this world meant you know with him in it because I went a long time without him in my world and so it was really just a matter of trying to walk you know walk with Jesus and what did that look like so that's pretty much the conversion. It, it happened, you know, about eight months after I started at ESPN, eight, nine months. So there was that world as well of being a Christian at ESPN. And what did that mean? And, you know, for a long time, I had separated the two. I was I was a Christian at home and a Christian, you know, to my wife and a Christian to my brothers. But when I went to work, I was just an ESPN producer. So it took a while to kind of be able to marry those two together and say, yeah, I'm a producer at ESPN, but I'm also a believer in Christ, and I can bring that into the workplace and be an example there, and it doesn't have to be separate. I think that's part of what brings me so much joy in hearing the different stories from different people, because they're not all the same. And some people yeah. have that, you know, that, autumn, that, that's, that drastic change moment, and other people don't. And no matter the story, it's encouraging to people to hear because they're all about Christ. And, you know, praise God, you didn't have to go through that rock bottom moment that others have. Some seeds, you know, they take longer to sprout than others. It's just God's way of working is, well, I think you said it well, it's, it's, it's mysterious. It's great. Um, it's encouraging to hear. Yeah. It's the beautiful, it's the beautiful mystery of the gospel, as I like to call it. And it's true because, Everybody's story is different, and that's the whole reason why I am sort of entering into this ministry world now at 43 is I want everybody's story to be told. I believe truly that if you have a story that you can impact and help people with your story, that you should tell it. And you may not be the most famous athlete in the world or you know this, this person who's on TV or has this large platform. I know tons of people from my church that really just have tremendous stories and they share them when they do. And, and I think people are moved by it. And that's really what I'm trying to do with the podcast and with 
sports spectrum and with anything really is that I'm going to be doing is trying to just share the story through the lens of, of Christ, of people who've been impacted by him. That's it. And, you know, with the faith and sports connection, great, but it doesn't always have to be a sports connection. I have plenty of friends who don't like sports who love Jesus. And so right immediately there, we're brothers and, and sisters and we can talk and share. So that's really what the bottom line is, is just sharing the story uh, of Jesus through the eyes of the people that have experienced him. Once again, we've been talking with Jason Romano. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Romano. Before we let you go, how how can we pray for you? Well, you can start by praying for you know this next stage, this next step, because that's really what I'm walking through and living through right now at this moment. It's just it's a different chapter. It's a new chapter in my in my life and. You know, I'm working from home and sort of have a home office set up. That's a different lifestyle that I've lived for 20 years. I don't work from home. I work in offices, you know, and I go in and I work with people. And now I'm I'm working from home. So that's new. Uh, certainly traveling and the navigation of what that looks like uh, from a faith perspective, but from a family perspective. You know, my wife and I are very honest with each other about the time that we spend together and the time that we spend apart and what that looks like. You know, we're, we're raising a 12 year old daughter and we want to do that right. We want to be present and active and be there for her. And, but we also know that God is opening up doors and calling, you know, me to opportunities to proclaim his name in different areas of the, of the country. So I think those two you can start with is, you know, and it kind of all sort of men together is, just praying for this next season of life and what that looks like. Well, we'd be glad to do it. Um, thanks again for coming on the program. I've enjoyed our conversation, and I, you know, you'll be in our prayers. And we look forward to the release of oh, so many things—the book, the podcast, so much that you're involved in. Yes, exciting times, Rick. I, I really do appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast to talk to you. We've been talking with Jason Romano, walking away from what many of us would consider a dream job with ESPN. But he would tell you that he's simply doing his reasonable service in following God's lead. You can follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Romano. I'm Rick Benson. Thanks for sticking with us. We got more to get to after the break. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Take me out to the middle of the river. Wanna drown in the good old river of your love. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu.
Welcome back in. You found the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson and Zach Barletta recording from the unseasonably warm and wonderful Rochester, New York, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. The show's available on podcasts, is downloaded across the nation and worldwide each and every week. And you can listen and download it to your device at our website. Once again, that's btgprogram.com. Your support, your encouragement, it means a lot to us, and we just want you to know that we are grateful. It's time to do some shenanigans, so Zach Barlett is going to make a few statements, after which we will either agree with those statements or call shenanigans on them. So, Zach, you're on. All right, number one, trading for DeMarcus Cousins makes the Pelicans a playoff team shenanigans <laughs> it, it makes them better but they're still just not very good well at least not offensively I, I think they're a long shot to grab the seventh seed and and you know that would really take a lot and there's going to be a number of teams scrambling for that a spot which obviously they have a better shot at but uh, I just no I don't think so I, it's not like I'd be shocked though Zach if they did sneak in but what then the Warriors the Spurs uh, good luck with that but the only way they get in is if Anthony Davis stays healthy, which so far he has. But if he misses any time at all, they're sunk. You know, the Pelicans are in trouble. And, and we're saying all this as we record this prior to the trade deadline. So things could yet change. But I, I'm mm-hmm. going to say shenanigans. I think no. I'm going to say I agree. Um, I mean, they're right on the periphery of the playoff chase right now. They're, I think as we're recording, they're like two and a half or three games out. And that they got that far without Cousins, so I think if you add a player as talented as him, they could sneak in as the last seed. I certainly think that they're capable of that. Well, I think they can make it. I just don't think they will. If I had to pick, you know, will or won't, I'm going to go with won't. And the reason for that is because while they are, as you say, very close to getting in, they're only a couple of games out, there's a number of teams in that same situation. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're battling a number of different teams, I think the odds are against you. Yeah, there's a whole gaggle of not very good teams that are all right, right there. I guess Waiting I would say, to get bounced in the first yeah, round. I guess I would say, are they a playoff team? Yes. Are they a contender? No. Number two, the NBA All-Star Game has become as bad as the Pro Bowl. What do you think about that? I think so. I, I, I think, you know, basketball for me is probably the, it's the sport I watch the least out of the four major Huge sports. Huge Raptors fan, though. Oh, uh, yeah. If you're listening, Raptors, absolutely. I'm living up to that contract. But uh, for me, there's just so many points scored that it kind of gets boring after a while. And like you texted me, that All-Star game, there were, what, were there almost 400 points scored. Combined, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's just ridiculous. Like, that's just, it could put you to sleep, you know? I, I I think the biggest – I think you were watching mostly to see try to see Durant and Westbrook on the floor at the same time, not not because you actually cared about anything else that was happening in the and, game. And you right? really didn't care about the basketball. Exactly. You just wanted to see the dynamic between the two. Yeah. Would there be maybe a fist fight? Yes no? <laughs> you know, you say it's become as bad as the Pro Bowl. I'm going to say shenanigans. It stinks, but nothing's as bad as the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I've said it a number of times. Football just doesn't lend itself to an all-star type of game. And in basketball, it's not really a good fit either for guys wanting to rest their bodies from the physicality of Mm -hmm. fighting for position on the basketball court. So they play offense only. And as you already alluded to, when you're scoring almost 400 points combined, it's ugly and it gets boring quick. Oh, look, another basket. You know, to me, the only sport that lends itself well 
is baseball. I get it. I'm a mm-hmm. baseball guy. I think hockey comes close, but they struggle with the same thing as basketball, the physicality and mm-hmm. and all that. But at least they have goaltenders that can kind of make up for the difference mm-hmm. where they're not playing defense. They do have a goaltender. And basketball, there's just nothing. It's just go down, score a basket. The other team goes up, scores a basket, and you mm-hmm. end up getting almost 400 of these things. Number three, Darrell Rivas will be on an NFL roster next season. I agree with this. I think he will. But this is a this is a difficult statement. Uh, you know, his court date is rescheduled, leaving leading many to speculate on the possibility that maybe there's a plea deal which would help him. Because if this thing can be cleared up before the March 9th free agency period starts, that's going to help teams who might be interested in signing him. But you know what? It's really going to be up to him um, if he's going to consider a change to safety or if he will be willing to take significantly less money without really any guarantees, because I don't see anybody doing that, there'll be a team that I think that has a need that could roll the dice, but he hasn't played well. So, you know, it's not going to be the Jets. So a lot depends on what Revis is willing to accept at this stage of his career. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I want to say shenanigans that he's just done, but I think there are teams with money to spend, and he's a big enough name that some team will roll the dice and throw him out there at safety. It could be the Bills. The Bills could use some help at safety, you know. And and uh, you know what look, it, what it is. Not, sorry to interrupt you, but you know what it is. With if you were a marginal player, you mm-hmm. don't get those second and third opportunities. Right. But he was a star player. He was a very mm-hmm. talented guy. He's going to have to prove that he can't play before teams will say, okay, we're not yeah. taking any shot at well, he you. Was and he hasn't as, done as, that yet. He was good as recently as 2015, 2016. You know? Right. So there's going to be a team that will roll the dice and say, well, maybe we can get that Darrell Rivas back. Mm-hmm. Number four, the Buffalo Sabres are sitting just outside of playoff position. Truth or shenanigans, the Sabres are good enough to grab the last wild card spot. What do you think? I say shenanigans. Uh, this team, as it's constructed right now, I think is on the outside looking in. They're they're close. They're just a few games out. But the teams between them and that spot, there's some good teams. The Lightning are in there. The Red Hot Panthers are in there. Uh, the Bruins are in there. I, I don't see them being able to jump all of those teams like they would need to. Now, if they have a good trade deadline, absolutely. Uh, they've been such a different team since Jack Eichel came back. I think with a little tinkering, they could do it. But as the roster stands right now, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, Zach, these are tough. You're putting a lot of thought into these statements, you know. Uh, uh, But I'm going to say shenanigans, as you have. Uh, They might be in the neighborhood of a wild card spot. But as you said, there's four or five teams that are there that they would have to leapfrog. And that's always to your disadvantage. The last 10 or 12 games, that offense has looked good, but... I think they just dug themselves too big a hole to really mm-hmm. be trying to climb out of at this stage. And, you know, they have reason to be optimistic for next season, though. I'd like mm-hmm. to see them get a little more certain in goal. But uh, I see good things for the Sabres, but I think they're just too big a hole to dig out yeah. of for this year. And it wasn't all their fault. You know, at the start of the season, Eichel was injured. Oposo was injured. Their big free agent signing. They were without two of their top weapons, you know. And I think getting those guys back really turned things around, but by that point, they were looking up at too many teams. Yep, I agree. Last but not least, the first CBS Sports power rankings are out, and although it doesn't list the Twins as the last team, it does expect them to have Major League Baseball's worst record at 59 wins and 103 losses. 
truth or shenanigans, the Twins are the worst team in baseball. <laughs> wow. I mean, here's another one. It, uh, you know, one of these tough statements that, um, I, you know, it's either the Twins or the Padres, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So I'm going to say shenanigans and say it's San Diego, but man, it's close. And I guess it really depends on what Minnesota can get out of their big prospects. If they have breakout years, then I think the Twins are going to be better than the Padres. I know you're not a big believer in Byron Buxton, and almost thou persuadest me, Zach. But um, but he did have a really good September. And so. the Twins are still high on him. And if this is the year he breaks out and they get a good season from Miguel Sanyo and Jose Barrios, I, I think they'll be marginally better than the Padres. But that said, they stink. <laughs> I actually am going to go the complete opposite direction. I think the Padres are a better team than the Twins. Do you? I have you seen their starting rotation? I have. I have. I, I like a lot of the young players that are coming up. Both teams have some really highly thought of young prospects that are going to be making their presence felt in the major leagues this year. But I don't trust the Twins not to ruin them. I trust the Padres to get it right more than I do the Twins. I think the Twins are the worst team in baseball. First Thessalonians five eighteen says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What I like this week is a young golfer who gives thanks and takes an optimistic approach to life, despite the obvious obstacles before him. One PGA swing coach said, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with that. Six-year-old Tommy Morrissey is proof of that mindset. In fact, his dad says that Tommy is proof that the right attitude accomplishes all. During a practice round at the Honda Classic, Tommy was beating tour pros, he's six, at getting closest to the pin from about 50 yards out. The catch was that the pros had to hit one-handed. And why is that? Because Tommy hits one-handed since he only has but one arm as a result of birth defect. Morrissey set up the one-arm challenge to highlight the championing attitude that he has and his foundation and if you've seen the videos, you can go on, you can Google Tommy Morris. It, it's amazing. This kid is an inspiration. Tour pro Billy Horschel says he's six. He plays with one arm, and he doesn't miss a, a shot. Seriously, he does not miss a shot. It's just impressive to see him play and enjoy it so much. Six-year-old Tommy Morrissey and his aspiring attitude is what I like, you like that? this week. You like that? My, you like that this week? Is recently retired former Cubs backup catcher David Ross, who, who uh, posted a picture of himself on Twitter wearing a Harlem Globetrotters uniform. No way. Tweeted he's coming out of retirement for one night only, March 1st. He's going to be a Harlem Globetrotter. You like that? You like that? We're out of time. There was plenty we didn't get to, including the start of the NASCAR season. Always exciting with the running of the Daytona 500 this weekend. Thanks to Jason Romano for joining us today, and thanks to you two for listening to the Beyond the Game program. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 